Today, we're going to revisit a question from a previous conversation on our program. The show was episode 15, where we discussed the somewhat touchy subject of hell. In the course of that discussion, another question came to my mind for which there really wasn't enough time to address. But we'll take it up today on Craving Answers, Craving God. I'm Chuck Rathert with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Aaron, with your permission, I'll just set this up. Let's listen to some audio that we've taken from that episode 15. If we take that approach, do we love our neighbor by embracing heaven talk and avoiding hell talk, or do we harm our neighbor by taking that approach? I'm assuming you don't mean uh, heaven, but the new creations. Um, The main message... Now, for those of you who want to hear Aaron's articulate response to the question, you'll have to go to episode 15. But in the course of your answer, Aaron, you said, I'm assuming you don't mean heaven, but the new creation. Well, at the time, I thought to myself, actually, I did mean heaven. So what was the motivation for your assumption? Well, yeah, I shouldn't have assumed that, apparently, since that's not what you meant. Uh, That's my bad. Um, What I meant, though, and I shouldn't have said assumption, what I meant is that um, I've got a goal, and the goal is to help the people in my church, and for those of you who are listening to this podcast, to think more biblically about what the word heaven means, And, and just to say it quite simply, and then we can move on from there. The Bible never, ever talks about heaven as the, it never uses the word heaven to describe the place where people go after they die. I'm shocked. I mean, I, I, I went into the concordance and I looked up the number of times that the word heaven appears. It's almost 700. Yeah, it's a lot. And so I looked at some of those references and it, that experience caused me to come to the conclusion that uh, the Bible talks about heaven a lot and that... This is where people who die in in the Lord or die in the faith, that's where they go. The alternative is to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And you're telling me that I've got the wrong thinking on this? I don't get it. Yeah, so you're right. It does talk, the Bible, the New Testament talks about heaven just a ton. Um, But again, never ever as the destination of believers, and we'll get into this in a minute. I am not saying at all that after those who believe in Jesus Christ die, that they are not somehow safe with Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that when the Bible does talk about that, and by the way, it's extremely rarely that the Bible talks about what happens to the souls of believers after their bodies die, right after their bodies die. But when it does, and the few times it does, it never uses the word heaven. Instead, heaven is almost always, it's uh, heaven frequently. So, I, you know, uh, Matthew has 75 mentions of um, heaven, you say here. So in, in Matthew, heaven is almost always, um, oh, here's a $4 word, a circumlocution for God. Uh, Matthew... I don't have $4. You're going to have to explain yeah. that word to me. Oh, it's a way of saying God without saying God. It's kind of a, a Hebrew thing. It's a Jewish thing. There's respect for the divine name that goes back to uh, the commandment not to take his name in vain. And so there's uh you don't you don't you don't use the divine name 
flippantly. You don't, in fact, you, you don't hardly ever see the word Yahweh in the Gospels, right? Um, instead, in fact, and even Matthew, who's writing, apparently writing for a Jewish audience, most scholars believe that. One of the reasons they believe that is he tries really hard not to say the word God. He says kingdom of heaven over and over and over again, where the other gospel writers use the word kingdom of God. So in Matthew 13, uh, um, uh, Matthew says, Matthew has Jesus saying, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, where the parallel in Luke, uh, actually the parallel in Mark 4, Mark says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Well, what's going on there? Well, uh, Matthew's doesn't want to use the word God. For a Jewish audience, he's not going to use the word God anymore than he has to. And so he substitutes the word heaven as a way to, to talk about God without saying the name God. And not all the uses of heaven in the New Testament are a way of not saying the word God, but that's the gist of most of them. When the New Testament talks about heaven, it's talking about um, God, God's power, where God is at, the, the, the seat of his power, where Jesus is at, ruling over the whole universe. And it, ne- it never describes heaven as a place where the souls of the believers are. I know this has been on your mind because in your preaching and in your Bible class teaching, this is not something that you haven't mentioned before, maybe even frequently. So I know it's on your mind. It's something that's important to you. So if you come to realize that I'm a person who thinks that, uh, you know, we live however many of the years we live on this earth. And if you believe in Jesus, then you go to heaven. And that's pretty much it. That's, that's my goal. Right. What are you going to, where are you going to take me beyond that? Because I feel like that's the arrival point. That's the destination. What else is there to talk about? Right. So that's, that's one of my goals with uh, saying things like I did in episode 15 and then us having this conversation here today is that I don't want the – question, the question is what are we being – what are Christians – what do Christians believe we're being saved from and what are we being saved for? Now, the Bible does talk about what theologians call an intermediate state, um, God designed our bodies and our souls to be together. Uh, sin kind of messes this up so that we die and our bodies and souls become separate. That's temporary, though. The goal is, Christians have always confessed this, the New Testament is absolutely chock full of it, the goal is the final resurrection. When Jesus returns and makes all things new and raises believers' bodies to new life, there is in between that, in between the death of a believer In that final resurrection, there is what we call the intermediate state, where our bodies are wherever, in the ground or decomposed or cremated or lost at sea or whatever, and our souls are are with God. That's an intermediate state. And the emphasis that the Bible places upon that is minimal. But like you said, we've turned that into a goal. That's the, you know, all of our hymns are just full of this language, uh, um, you know, um, away in a manger ends with, and take us to heaven to be with thee there. And that is extremely common. The last verse of many Christian hymns in the hymn book in my church uh, talk about going to heaven when you die as being the final goal. Well, this is the way a lot of Christians think about that. I had a devotional book that my mom and mom would read to me growing up called Little Visits with God. And every single story in that book was a little about little Johnny or little Janie learning some lesson that revolved around 
Jesus died for you so that you could go to heaven when you die. And that is not the biblical message. And to get back to the original question, the question is, what are we being saved from and what are we being saved for? And this is where a lot of unbelievers um, are critical, rightly so, of Christianity. They look at Christians and they say, well, Christians believe that uh, you have to believe certain things so that you go to heaven when you die. In other words, and Christians, a lot of Christians feel like this. In other words, we're being saved from this bad physical world to escape someday to a pure land in the sky of disembodied bliss. We no longer have these dirty, mucky bodies. We no longer live in this dirty, messy creation. We will live in this pure spiritual happiness with God for forever. And um, it's escapist. It's escapist. And, and uh, Christian traditions that have focused on this, which unfortunately in the United States is quite a few of them, have typically been escapist in the way they've thought about uh, relationships in the world, the way they've thought about making money, and the way they've thought about sex, and the way they've thought about food, and the way they've thought about the environment. Well, why care about those things if the goal is just to get away from them someday? Or in the words of uh, uh, Hal Lindsey, uh, the author of the famous dispensationalist book, The Late Great Planet Earth, why polish the brass on a sinking ship? There's no point in doing that. However, if we can say, okay, the Bible mentions maybe four or five times the New Testament mentions this intermediate state, the, the place, it doesn't even really talk about a place frequently, um, going and being with Jesus after you die, temporarily while awaiting the new resurrection, but again, never uses the word heaven for that. Let's stop emphasizing that and start emphasizing the hundreds of times when new creation, when the final resurrection and especially when God's desire to bring about his kingdom on earth here and now are the goal. Let's start making that the goal. That, that's, and that, that's kind of my main point behind this whole thrust and why I, I know I, I beat it like a dead horse. But honestly, it's the kind of thing, it's just so, we're so, it's so ingrained in our mindset as contemporary American Christians that the goal is to go to heaven when you die. I've had this, I've had this, uh, this uh, this happens to me quite frequently where I'll talk about this and then somebody will say, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going to heaven someday. And I'll just, I didn't, that's not what I said. That's not what I'm talking about, you know, how, but it's so ingrained in our mind that that's the goal. It's like a whole different language. And what I'm trying to do is to get us to start learning the basic grammar of resurrection, new creation, kingdom of God language. Okay, I'll play along. I was quite comfortable with my uh, thinking about heaven, I don't know what heaven is going to be like, literally, never been there, but I do know there are things that I can expect about heaven. I can expect eternal bliss. I can expect to be with my Lord. I can expect to see those who have gone before me, and on and on those descriptions of of the joy and peace and happiness of going to heaven. And I was pretty happy with that. And then you come along and say, well, I... I'm assuming you don't mean heaven, but the new creation. I'm thinking, okay, he wants me to think about the new creation. I have a kind of a nebulous or vague perception of that, even though I can't tell you what heaven is exactly like. Yeah. I can tell you less about what is in my head as to what the yeah. new creation is like. Yeah. So can you fill in my blanks? Yeah, so this is super unfortunate. I mean, this is just bad teaching that I've been giving you and that you and I have been receiving throughout our lives as Christians. 
What's nebulous? It's really, it's really that bad? Oh, yeah. I mean, you just said that heaven is more concrete in your mind than the new creation, which is nebulous. But the heaven that we're talking about, this sort of platonic vision of eternal disembodied bliss, the Bible hardly ever mentions it. It never, never says you're going to see your loved ones there. It never says that. It, it never talks about, you know, here's what it's going to look like. You're going to be prancing around and, you know, you're going to be laying on the cloud, playing on harp, wherever. It's completely nebulous. And if we're going to describe it, it's it's actually, we, we would be spirits there, right? We would be spirits in a spiritual realm. We wouldn't have our bodies. Our bodies would be dead in the ground. You can't get more nebulous than that. Now, new creation, that is not nebulous. That's concrete. That's the wolf lying down with the lamb. That's Isaiah 6, in Isaiah 65 or 66, I can't remember now. I believe it's 65. That's people building houses and living them living in them, people planting vineyards and enjoying the wine that they made from it. This is playing golf. This is eating good food. This There's is golf in the new creation? Well, I, I'm assuming so. It's a beautiful <laughs> gift of God that uh, I'm assuming all, all these gifts of God are, are going to be, and it's, that's extremely concrete. It's our bodies raised from the dead. You can't get more physical and tactile than that, living on this world. So the problem is, is that we've ignored that to such an extent that we feel like, well, I don't really understand what new creation is about. It just feels weird and vague to me, like you were describing. Instead of that being the concrete reality that we're pursuing, and heaven is actually, or what, what, what we call, what, what you and I are calling heaven, the place where believers in Christ go temporarily after they die. That's actually very, very vague. There's hardly any details at all given in Scripture about that. In the book of Revelation, which references heaven 45 times in chapter 6 verse 9 it says when he opened the fifth seal i saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of god and for the witness they had borne they cried out with a loud voice O sovereign lord holy and true how long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth yeah that sounds like now i'm just going crazy here. I'm just interpreting. That sounds like disembodied souls who I'm sure are, yeah. are in eternal bliss in their temporary state, longing for the new creation. Yeah. Let's get to the yeah, new yeah. creation. Is that a proper yeah. interpretation? I, I believe so. Now, I'm, I'm not a Revelation scholar, and so I need to read that more. But that's the, that's the read that I get, too, is I, I wouldn't use the word eternal bliss, because actually what they're not experiencing, what they're experiencing is not bliss. They're experiencing this sort of deep angst that this is not the way it's supposed to be. Here's their souls. Better than hell. In heaven. Yes. Well, I mean, Paul says this in one of the rare instances where the, the intermediate state is mentioned by Paul. He says, uh, it's, it's better to depart and to be with Christ in Philippians 1. So yeah, there is this sense that the intermediate state is better than what's... In a certain sense, it's better than what we're experiencing now. But in another sense, it's not as good as what the new creation is going to be. And that text you brought up is a great example of it. They're, they are they are in heaven, but they are not happy. They are the God of vengeance. Let, let's get to the final day where our bodies are raised and you've made all things new and you've put all things to right. Jesus tells the parable, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man has gone to a place where he is in flames and Lazarus is in a place called Abraham's bosom. Now, is Abraham's bosom 
biblical language for the intermediate state? Is it heaven? Uh, if I read that and I think to myself, well, Lazarus went to heaven, and that's where I'm going to go, and and then I'm sort of done thinking about it, what do we do with that parable? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we, And we talked about that parable when we talked about hell in um, episode 15. Um, yes. So that's another, uh, but, but again, what, what you have here is no mention of the word heaven. You have Abraham's bosom, which is kind of a weird way to say that um, it's a picture, actually, it's the picture of Lazarus sitting on Abraham's lap, which met metaphorical language here, right? This is not, uh, um, he doesn't have a body. If, 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 he's, if Lazarus has died, he's in a disembodied state. But what it means is, who's the, true, who's the true child of Abraham at the end of the day? Is it this poor man or is it the rich man? Now, there's this notion uh, within Judaism that uh, wealth, uh, the Judaism of Jesus' day, that wealth is a sign that God has blessed. Uh, therefore, the wealth, wealthy, at least... They've got. If you're if you're going to start sussing out who who is the true child of Abraham and who's not, the wealthy, they've they've at least got a head start in that race. But here in the parable, it's turned around. The wealthy man ends up in hell, and the poor man is vindicated as the true child of Abraham. Again, this is a so. First of all, it's a parable. I wouldn't um, I wouldn't try to make too much theological hay out of it. But it's also, it's not using the word heaven, and it's talking about, like you say, it's talking about the intermediate state. So I agree with you, and actually, I agreed with you before we took up this topic, that it's important for us to have our eyes on Judgment Day, on that day when all flesh is resurrected and those disembodied spirits who have been in Abraham's bosom or in the intermediate state or whatever we're talking about here are reunited with their physical bodies for the rest of eternity. That's a big day. And in, in my judgment, it's kind of the next big day on God's calendar. That's, that's the next big event. But is it necessary to downplay the hope and the desire that when I die... I go to heaven. Does talking about that and thinking about that somehow impede my understanding of getting to a better understanding of the new creation? Not necessarily, but yes. Yes. It doesn't have to be that way. What did he say? Not necessarily, but yes? Well, it, you, you know, it would be great. I, I don't think it's bad to focus on heaven. The problem we have, though, is now in our culture is that we focused on heaven so much that we can't think about new creation. The new creation is just vague to us. And it's like I told you, I, I'll, I'll teach a class on new creation, and somebody will come up and say, that's great, man. I'm just looking. Uh, you're, you are. That was so encouraging. I'm looking forward to going to heaven when I die. And the problem is, is that they've they've had it hammered into their home through hymns, Sunday school lessons, sermons, devotionals, uh, cheesy Christian movies, their whole life, that the goal is going to heaven when you die, that they cannot even comprehend that there's something other than the intermediate state. Because of that, this is why I said not necessarily, because of that, I am going to, in my teaching, I try to downplay heaven as much as possible, not because it's not important, but because I want people to start focusing on what's really important. And if we can get there, as I'm talking about, you know, my church or 
my friends or whatever. If we can get there, then we can go back. I think it'd be appropriate to go back and start thinking about what is the intermediate state like and what does the Bible teach about it? But until then, I'm going to keep on emphasizing that heaven is the place where God is in charge of the entire universe through his son, Jesus Christ, and he is sending his salvation from heaven here to earth. The trajectory in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, book of Revelation, go to Revelation 21, is not that we go to heaven someday, it's that heaven comes down here to us. So what if you could crack open my head and look in there and and you see a person who has probably recited the Apostles' Creed in worship or in private devotion thousands of times. And when I get to that part where I, where I say, I believe in the, the Holy Ghost, etc., etc., the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting, what I think I've been confessing all this time is, I believe in dying and going to heaven. Yes. What are you going to do with that? That's exactly right. That's a great. This is a, that's a, that's exactly what we think. Um, well, what 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 can we do with that? Is just to say no. That doesn't say dying and going to heaven. Look at it again. It says the resurrection of the dead. Um, that's Which what it says. Which is dying and going to heaven. No, it's it's actually uh, not in scripture. I'm sorry to be such a pain. Here. No, no, you're doing good. You're doing good. Um, it's actually not dying and going to heaven. It's. Um, our bodies, literally, we could read First Thessalonians 4 here, if we'd like, we could read John 5. Uh, there's coming a moment when the dead in Christ will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will come up out of their graves, John 5 says. Paul says in First Thessalonians 4 that at some point, uh, Jesus is going to appear, the trumpet's going to sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first, will come back, to, their bodies will come back to life out of the grave. And maybe the most extended discussion of it, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul says the trumpet will sound and the, and the dead will be raised, um, I got the King James Version in my head here, incorruptible. In other words, their bodies will no longer be able to decay ever again. Their bodies will be perfectly whole forever and ever. This is the Christian hope, and that's the goal. Um, heaven is a big deal, but it's not the end of the world, to quote N.T. Wright. It's, um, we should focus on it, but at the place that we find ourselves now as American Christians, I think it's time to stick it on the back burner for a little bit and really sink our teeth into this teaching about the final resurrection of the dead. And in connection with that, what does that mean for right now? How do we live our lives now? It makes a huge difference. So I'm envisioning somewhere somebody is listening to us, a person is listening to us, and they're saying to themselves, Wow. Uh, this has never, ever even crossed my mind. And I've been in the church all my life, or I've been in the church for a long time. I've never really given any thought to the distinction between dying and going to heaven and the resurrection of the dead. This is like brand new territory right. for me, and I quite frankly don't know where to start or which direction to go. Can you help me? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the word heaven. Heaven is not ever, like I said before, I've said actually several times now, heaven is not ever a word that's used in the New Testament for the place that you go after you die. Instead, the word heaven is frequently used as the place where God is at, where he is um, in, in sovereign control in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, over all of creation, and is working out his plan to, to make new all things. So 
take a look at some of the uses of the word heaven. Now, there's a ton of them, right? And a lot of them, like I said earlier, are just ways of talking about God, but in a respectful way where you don't say the word God. Um, a lot of them, though, will focus on this. So 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 3 and 4 is a huge example of this, and people sometimes quote this as a, as a text about going to heaven when you die. Uh, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Well, now the old the, the the way that I grew up reading this, that's okay, so great, that's heaven. It's, it's my salvation is kept in heaven for me. I'm gonna go there. But when we understand that heaven is the place where God is sovereignly working out his kingdom here on earth, we begin to understand that heaven is the place where salvation is coming from, not the place that we're going to, or, or to quote NT right on this text. You know, if I say to a friend of mine, I've got some beer in the fridge for you. I don't hardly mean that he's got to climb into the fridge and get it. What I mean is that the fridge is the place where it comes from. And that's what Peter means here. Salvation is kept in heaven for us, for, for us because that's the place where salvation is coming from. Again, Revelation 21, uh, heaven comes down out of heaven. Heaven comes down to plan itself on the earth someday to make the new creation. Other instances of like this are, are equally apropos, apropos. And let me just say, another way to understand heaven is this. That since the ascension, since Jesus' resurrection and ascension and the pouring out of the Spirit of Pentecost, the barrier between heaven and earth is closing. There, there are many intersections where you cannot say, I'm not in heaven now, because wherever Jesus is present by the power of his Holy Spirit, that's where heaven is. Let me give you a few texts here. Ephesians 2, Paul actually describes this in verse 6. Those of us who are Christians, he says, we've been raised up with him and God seated us with Jesus in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're actually sitting in heaven right now, Paul says. Colossians 3.1, if you've then been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So there you go, ascension language. Set your minds on things that are above, on Jesus' things. In other words, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We actually are already in heaven. Hebrews 12, uh, the writer of Hebrews is contrasting Old Testament religion, which is focused on uh, this physical space of the tabernacle and the temple with what we who have been united with the true temple Jesus Christ are experiencing now. And the writer of Hebrews says, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God. In other words, the emphasis in the New Testament almost universally is on you have been, you are, as Paul says in Philippians 3, you are now citizens of heaven, Philippians 3, verse 20. Whenever the Bible uses the word heaven, it's never a place that we're going to. It's A, a place that we are already in Jesus Christ. B, a place where salvation originates. The source of salvation is the throne of God where Jesus is there ruling over all things and pleading on our, on our behalf. That's always the focus of heaven. And so I would say to, to the person you described to me, like, dig into your Bible, start studying the instances where the word heaven is used, and start seeing that it doesn't ever say that that's a place where we're going. 
but it's a place that's here now on earth. As a Lutheran, this is totally what we believe, right? We believe that in in God's service on Sunday morning, God himself is there. Christ himself is there speaking to us as the word is read. Christ himself is there in the elements of the bread and the wine and Holy Communion by the power of the word. What we're saying is, is that heaven has come to earth, that, the, that Christ who is at the right hand of his father is now here amongst us. And Jesus emphasizes this all over the place. Wherever two or three of you are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. Matthew 28, very last line, look, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What he's saying is, is that heaven is coming here. And that's what's at the heart of the Lord's prayer too. When we pray, you know, Father, your kingdom come on earth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God Bring heaven here. Your power, your glory, your might, make that a reality here in your world, which brings us back full circle to purpose. If the purpose of the Christian life, if the, sorry, the, the, the end goal of the Christian life is this disembodied pleasure living in heaven, it's easy to be escapist. It's easy to say, okay, I just got to like gut out my few remaining years here and like death is going to be this wonderful release. If the goal though is God's kingdom coming here on earth, new creation headed this way, even now. Finally, it'll be completely here, Revelation 21, when when the holy city, New Jerusalem, heaven comes down and plants itself here on earth. But even now, God's kingdom is coming on earth like it is in heaven. Then what we're doing here is of the utmost importance, taking care of each other, fighting against injustice, fighting against inequality, uh, taking care of the environment, taking care of our relationships, living holy and loving and just and faithful lives here and now, that actually becomes eternally and infinitely important. And after all, that's what the main goal of the New Testament is, is God's kingdom coming here. So if we can start transitioning from seeing heaven as this place to escape to someday, and instead seeing it as a place that's slowly but surely taking over the world by the power of Jesus Christ, who we have been joined to. And so in a sense, we are both here on earth and here in heaven with Jesus at the same time. We're going to get a lot closer to what the word heaven means. So here's my last question, um, and let me be kind of a stinker here. Uh, if I'm listening to the program and I say to myself, well, that's all well and good. I appreciate what you guys are saying. Um, and if that works for you, great. But you know what? I'm just really comfortable with my sort of my reality, my heaven reality, and my aspiration to die and go to heaven. And I was satisfied with that. I didn't really need you guys messing with it. Uh, I, I find your commentary on the new creation interesting, but no, uh, just leave me alone. I'm just going to stay where I am. What do you got for me? So, uh, okay, so first of all, most of the people that I talk to, most Christians that I talk to, um, when I talk about the new creation and they finally get it, are immensely relieved. The notion of going... What do you mean they finally get it? When it finally... You have to invest lots of time to to make this happen? No, but like I said, it's a new grammar. The, the way that we've been raised, where it's all about going to heaven when you die. And like I, I described to you, the person who I teach, and then they say, oh, that new creation, that's terrific. Yeah, I can't wait to get to heaven when I die. You, you have to learn this new grammar. But when it finally clicks that, oh, you know what? New creation is the target. God's kingdom here and now is the path towards that new creation. People I find, most Christians I've talked to, are immensely relieved. There's something about a disembodied existence in heaven. There's something about that whole, you know, sitting on a cloud, playing a harp, 
that's very disturbing to people. And the reason why is because they weren't made for it. Heaven, so the intermediate state is temporary. And as you pointed out, even the saints who are experiencing it now are crying out, how long do we have to put up with this God? Bring it to an end. You know why? Is because we were made with bodies. We were made for this world. We were made to be God's stewards of this creation. We were made to worship him physically and spiritually. And most people, when they find out that my final destiny is living on a new earth, working, worshiping in relationship, it's this source of immense joy that that sounds like what I've always wanted. I, I don't want to leave this world. I don't want to die. I want everything to be made right here. That's what I want. That's what the promise of the Bible is. Now, if somebody comes to me and says, oh, yeah, okay, that's interesting, like you described, okay, that's interesting, but really, I just kind of want to uh, enjoy heaven. I would say, why? Why? What is it about this physical world that you are running from that you don't like? What is it about your bodily existence that you don't like? There's some sort of breakdown in their understanding of who God made them to be and the vocation that he has for him here and now. I, that has been comfortable in times past, in, in, in periods of time where uh, you know, there's lots of pain, and that's certainly understandable because, you know, as Paul says, it's better to depart and be with Christ. There's a, there, there are places in our lives, moments of intense loneliness or intense physical or psychological pain, where the thought of escaping and being in heaven has a certain satisfaction to it, which is certainly warranted. But the end goal is never that. It's never just to escape from right now. The end goal is the reparation of everything. Well, I'm going to think about this, and I'm going to try to figure out what it means to somehow substitute not just the words, but the idea of new creation for dying and going to heaven right. in those future conversations. And I want to say thank you to you for letting us go retro here, go back yeah, about yeah, three yeah. episodes and take up the topic. We also want to say thank you to you for listening to our Craving Answers, Craving God podcast with Aaron Miller, pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. We encourage you to share your thoughts with us. You can enter your questions and comments on our website at stjamesglencarbon.org. Click contact us, leave your message there. I'm Chuck Rathert. Thanks for listening. <laughs>